This is the Evangelical Church of Bermuda's weekly sermon podcast. Thank you for joining us. Here is this week's sermon. Good morning. If you would mind grabbing your Bibles or your devices, we're going to read scripture together. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 8 this morning, verses 18 to 22. So I'll give you just a moment to gather your things. Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 22. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the reading of your word. I pray, Lord, as we expound on that this morning, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. Father, that you would let these words uh, impact our lives like only you can. And I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't leave here, Father, without um, seeing how you can impact Uh, our very beings. Lord, we're so grateful for this place that we can gather. We thank you for this church that you've given us. Uh, Father, I pray that we would continue to grow together in the grace and knowledge of your son, Jesus. Father, we also consider uh, our church members and and our friends who gathered together this morning. And God, we think of this morning Wes and his family, Lord, uh, on the passing of his mom. We pray, Father, that you would uh, be with them as they mourn. Uh, but, Lord, we're grateful that uh, they don't mourn uh, as though they've lost um, just their mother, but they're grateful that she's with you. They're grateful that uh, she is in glory, Lord, sitting uh, at the feet of your son, Jesus. And so we just pray, Lord, that you would be with him, them during this time as they grieve, Lord, that you would help them. Lord, we also uh, praise you, and we were grateful for uh, Betsy this week as she was able to come through her surgery uh, successfully. Lord, and we just pray right now that you would help her as she heals and recovers. And again, God, we're so grateful for your hand in that. Lord, there are so many other needs in our midst, and we pray, God, that you would just remind us of those and that we would bring those to you uh, in prayer, Lord, knowing that you could care for each one of our needs. But, Father, as we move on with our service, I do pray that you would be with Pastor Paul as he opens up your word for us, Lord, as he uh, goes through uh, what you've given him. Father, might it impact us. Lord, we thank you so much, and we pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we started back into the gospel according to Matthew. Uh, Last week we saw three different healings. Uh, in fact, at, at the end of the passage, everyone, everyone who was brought to Jesus during this account was, was healed from their, whatever they were suffering from. The conclusion was clear. Jesus has authority over disease and sickness. That, that doesn't mean he always heals uh, our, 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 days, our days are numbered in this life, and, and God often uses sickness in the life of a, of a gospel believer. 
Sometimes that bothers us. We don't like the idea that God can heal, and yet often he doesn't. But we don't, we don't have a God that we can completely figure out. Right? You know that, right? And, and, and that even bothers us too, doesn't it? And, and if that bothers you, that's, that's okay. That's okay. We, we like to be able to figure things out. We, we, can, we can know a lot about God, but, but he is infinite, and we are finite, and there will always be a gap in our ability to understand him completely. I think that's why heaven's going to be so wonderful, because we can't exhaust God. We'll continue to be learning about God and growing closer to him as, as, the, as the ages go on, and, and again, it will, it will be never exhausting. It will be eternal bliss. But we know when we, when we can't understand what's going on, this is where faith, faith comes in. When we can't understand, we have to trust. Today, we're going to look at two people who wanted to follow Jesus. They, they wanted to be disciples in, in a closer sense. They, they had a belief in Jesus, and they wanted to follow him in, in a greater way. And so we're going to look at, we're going to look at three people today. Okay, the, the man who acted too quickly, the man who acted too slowly, and the son of man. Okay, so those, those are our, our three points that we're going to hang everything off of. So let's start with the man who acted too quickly in verses 18 to 20. Let me read the the first verse of our text to, to get the scene here, verse 18. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. Once again, we see the popularity of Jesus, it's, it's still there. Right? He, he, teaches, he teaches like no one else, and he can heal people, and, and even people that aren't, his, aren't in his immediate presence he can heal, right? like that servant of the centurion. For whatever reason, Jesus gives the command to move. And when Jesus did something like this, it was often to get away with his closest disciples to have some uninterrupted time with them, teaching them. So it's time to go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and there are some who are all in with Jesus. Wherever Jesus wants to go, they will go. And there are these two other would-be disciples. Perhaps they're all in, perhaps they're not, but we'll, we, you can sort of see for yourself as we go. The first one is, is a scribe. Now, the scribes, the scribes generally didn't like Jesus, but this scribe seems to be different. He, he does not feel threatened by Jesus' teaching authority that the, that the crowd had, um, remember the crowd, what the crowd said about him? He, they, he teaches like one 
who is like, or one who is, has authority, unlike the scribes. And so the, the crowd was like sort of jabbing at the, at the scribes. But he doesn't feel threatened by this. He, he, he goes to, he goes to, the, to Jesus and, and, and d- d- there doesn't seem to be any offense. And, and here's what happens in verse 19. And a scribe came to him and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now notice, notice the scribe. He calls him teacher. Right? That, that's, that's, the, that's the scribe's title. That's his title. That's what he's used to be being called. He willingly gives over his title to Jesus. And with Jesus departing, the scribe states his intent to follow him anywhere. This is actually the right attitude for gospel-believing Christians. They should want to follow Jesus anywhere he, he directs. But Jesus wants the scribe to know something first before he follows. Verse 20. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. This this statement here is neither an affirmation or a rebuke but a, a true fact of discipleship. And, and just so you know, when I say discipleship, I'm talking about being a believer of the claims of Jesus, okay? And for us, his, his death, burial, resurrection, and following him in obedience. So, so what is Jesus teaching about regarding true discipleship here? Well, first... A true disciple counts the cost of discipleship. It's not not a purely emotional decision or an erratic decision. If if it was, Jesus' answer would have been to describe, that's great, get in the boat. Jesus is headed over to the east side of the Sea of Galilee, to the Decapolis area. This this was a non-Jewish region, and most Jews would not be comfortable in it, especially a scribe. So we can see why Jesus would would, would make this statement. Second, there are sacrifices to make when choosing to follow Jesus. Jesus says that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but his ministry doesn't allow him the convenience of a home in a bed. A a scribe would have been more on the upper class level of society, so his, his life would have been comfortable. This choice to follow Jesus would would take away some of that comfort, like like a house and a bed to retreat to at the end of a long day. We don't know if this scribe ended up following Jesus or not, and that's probably the beauty of this account. We're left wondering what happened. 
did, did he get in the boat or did he, did he leave? And it also makes us put ourselves in that scribe's shoes. If we were that scribe, what, what would we have done? Truly, what would, we, what would be our response to Jesus? Because, you know, th- this may have been off-putting, especially, I'm a scribe. Why wouldn't you want me? Right? And I think that can often be our, our attitude. We raise ourselves a little bit higher than we need to be. Now, this does not mean that we can't own a home if we want to follow Jesus, or, or that we have to choose hardship and avoid nice things in order to be a true disciple. Right? That's, that's not what, what is taught here. To follow Jesus as one of his disciples was to live a life that was not, not fixed in one location because of the nature of Jesus' itinerant ministry. Okay, so that was then. But what about now? What might it look like now to be a disciple of Jesus today? I think that's a good question to ask. One way would be living a life that is not caught in the current of certain culture. The, the, The culture that we live in strongly tries to dictate our beliefs. If the culture moves in a new direction, generally, the people's beliefs tend to move in that same direction. Sometimes those beliefs are good and right, such as the the civil rights movement that condemned slavery and, and radical or and, and um, not racial injustice. But other times, those beliefs are wrong in the culture and go against the wisdom of God found in the Bible. Right? That's how we determine if a, a worldview is right or wrong. We measure it against what God has said, what the Bible says about the subject. An example, an example would be the legislation supporting same-sex marriage. The Bible clearly defines marriage between a man and a woman, and the Bible also condemns homosexual activity. But let, let me say something important here, though. If, if you deal with same-sex attraction... Can I just say that you're, you're, not, you're not weird or you're not perverted? We all deal with things that can potentially lead us away from God's ways. Like alcoholism, like gossip. Right? Th- those acting on those things are, are sinful. And your sexuality does not define you. You you don't have to act toward your sexual preference to be fulfilled. 
you can be fulfilled in this life through following Jesus. And Jesus himself is a wonderful example because he never got, gets married. And I dare say, did he not have the most of fulfilling lives that any human being could have? It may be hard to believe that you can be fulfilled truly just truly through the life of Jesus and following him alone. It may be hard to believe because your your our culture is is trying very hard to convince you otherwise. And it's trying to welcome any expression of of your sexuality. But who are you going to believe? The culture or Jesus. I'll take Jesus every time because the culture never loved me so much that it died for me. I'll take Jesus every time unlike the changing culture because he never changes. When when I mess up, his love for me stays the same. I'll take Jesus every time because he has never, ever let me down. And just let me tell you as well that that Jesus welcomes you here no matter what you're struggling with. And so do all of we. Let's, let's look at the, the next man, at the man who acted too slowly, at verses 21 and 22. All right, so here's what the second man said in verse 21. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. All right, this seems like a reasonable request especially in this time and culture as, as the oldest son was responsible for the funeral arrangements um, of, a, of a parent. And so Jesus' response seems, well, it just seems harsh, doesn't it? Verse 22, Jesus said to, the, to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Seems harsh, but perhaps it's not as harsh as it appears. Uh, According to Jewish custom, burial was done within 24 hours of a death. If this was the case, this man would have immediately headed home as soon as he heard of his father's passing. There would have been no conversation happening. And, and, And secondly, because this was part of of honoring father and mother, surely Jesus would not oppose this man from going away for 24 hours to take care of a funeral. This is most likely an idiomatic expression for fulfilling the care of an elderly father until he passes, until he dies. 
So, so I don't think this man's father was dead. So he's not talking about going to make funeral arrangements within a short time frame, right, to bury his father within the day. But he's talking about ongoing care for his father in the remaining years of his life, right? And I say years, maybe months, but it could be years. Even with this understanding, though, Jesus' response still seems harsh, right? As, as, again, it was honorable and good to care for one's aged parents. Now, now we know that Jesus is not against the fifth commandment to, to honor father and mother, okay? Because later in Matthew, he rebukes the religious leaders for avoiding this, this financial commitment toward their parents uh, to care for them in their, in their older age um, by, by using a, a loophole in their, in their traditions. What Jesus is teaching here is that following him takes priority over the most important things in life. Following Jesus involves a certain amount of guts to disrupt the social norms. Again, we don't know if this man followed Jesus or not. Right? We're, we're left to wonder and again put ourselves in his shoes and ask the question, would we follow? To, to put Jesus above your closest relationships does seem radical. Unless we stop to consider who Jesus is. He is, he's God in the flesh. He's our creator. He's the one who came to rescue us from our corrupted human nature to bring us into his forever kingdom. Jesus is the only way to enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who find the kingdom of heaven, we're told in the Bible, are those who find a hidden treasure or a valuable pearl. And when they do, they give up everything in order to hang on to it, to obtain it. We have to remember how valuable Jesus is to us and how he is worth anything we might have to give up in order to follow him with, with every part of our life. So, so the first man professed following Jesus too quickly without counting the cost, not realizing what he might have to give up. And, and the second man professed following Jesus too slowly, not seeing the value of Jesus and what he would gain. So here, herein lies the balance in choosing to follow Jesus. We must count the cost of what we will give up, but also 
see Jesus clearly for what we will gain. Spiritual life awaits the one who chooses to believe and follow Jesus. Jesus says, leave the dead to bury their own dead. When we become a gospel-believing Christian, the, the Bible says that we are born again. We are born again. A spiritual birth happens, and we begin to have new priorities in life. We, we begin changing the way we live. The point Jesus is making is that following him looks different from how the rest of the world lives. One of the things that we're told to do as believers is to examine ourselves. Right? We, we know that. If you're a believer, you know that. You know, because that's part of, of the Lord's Supper. Right? Part of the Lord's Supper is remembering His death, burial, and resurrection, but then also examining ourselves, right, to seeing if, seeing if we're partaking of this remembrance in a, in a worthy manner. There's another admonition to examine ourselves from the Apostle Paul again. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize that, realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. The, the Corinthians were, were demanding proof of Paul's apostleship. And Paul now tells them to test their own authenticity as believers. His argument is that if Jesus Christ is indwelling them as gospel-believing Christians, then their lives should look different compared to the life of an unbeliever. Would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you as a Christian? Would you be guilty as charged? You know, think, things like this are not meant to scare us, okay? But to, but to encourage us in our, our new life in Christ, as, as it's easy to just stay or settle into the ways of the present culture. And, and, and some, sometimes we, we do that, and then, and then sometimes we justify ourselves in doing that. We, we, we practice a different kind of Christianity, a Christianity that, Christianity that tries to take what the culture believes and stuff it into the Bible. That's, that's the opposite. We take the Bible first, and then see if the culture fits into it. Let's, let's look at the, our last man. 
the Son of Man. The reference is in verse 20. This is the first occurrence of Jesus' favorite term for himself. Why did Jesus refer to himself with this name? And, and, and why did he like it so much? Well, the, the, name, the name is found in, in Scripture in various points, but the, the most striking is in Daniel chapter 7, starting in verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold... With the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So, the figure here is, is not a powerful figure in regard, in regard to appearance. He, he's, I saw a son of man, like a regular Joe. And it's definitely not like the preceding visions that Daniel had of, of giants and... Uh, formidable creatures, right? Th those, those were like the ones that said, oh, stand back, look out for that thing, okay? This is the vision of an ordinary mortal man. But this seemingly mortal man is said to be with the Ancient of Days, which is a reference to Yahweh. God himself. And this Son of Man is given an eternal, indestructible kingdom containing peoples from all over the world. Does that sound familiar? No wonder Jesus liked this term so much. It combines uh, a mortal man with the authority that truly only belongs to God himself. This, this term would have, as, as one commentator notes, this term would have concealed yet revealed who he truly was. If Jesus was demonstrating such authority in teaching, and had authority over sickness and disease, and we'll see his authority continue to build through, our, through these uh, eight weeks, then this title would have made them rethink what they believed about God's rescuer coming, the Messiah. No, no wonder Jesus did not take believing and following in him lightly. For to follow him is to follow God himself in the flesh. 
you know, if, if Jesus was a fraud, some people think that, right? If Jesus was a fraud, why would he operate like this? Who, who turns away followers? <laughs> or tries to turn away followers? How, who makes it difficult for followers, for people to follow? If, you, if you're wanting to be popular, if you're wanting to, to build a new religion, To follow Jesus in, in a broken, sin-cursed world, <clears throat> we have to count the cost and see his true value. His value as the Son of Man will always outshine any cost we have to pay to follow him. We will, like that man who found the treasure in the field, gladly sell all we have to obtain it. Do, do, do you believe that? Do you believe that, that any cost that you would have to pay to follow Jesus is worth it? If you, if you answer, I don't know, or, or ah, then let me just encourage you to look to Jesus. Continue reading on in the Gospels. Look to him. Gaze at him deeply. If, if you do believe in Jesus and, and his all-surpassing value, does your life, does your life show that? Does it, does it demonstrate that? You know, if you answer, ah, ah, uh, not sure, I don't know. Then the same solution applies to you too. The, the, the solution is not, well, then try harder. The solution is the same. You just need to look at Jesus. You just need to refix your gaze and to focus in. When you do, your life will change because he himself will change you. Not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Let us pray. Our Father, as we consider to as we consider the authority of Jesus Christ our lord no wonder he had such stipulations in regard to following him it's not a light choice in a world that often goes in opposite directions toward your ways o lord but Father, wherever we are at, whether we are struggling with following Jesus, if we are struggling to see his worth and value, Father, would you give us fresh eyes? Fresh eyes to see our Lord revealed through the pages of the scripture. And thank you that he's not only revealed in, in the gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but all of scripture 
proclaims him and points to him. Set our gaze, Father, on the Son of Man. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, check out our website at ecb.bm. Join us again next week for our next podcast.